0: Something odd happened in 1972. Can had a top 10 hit. They were commissioned to do the music for the television miniseries Das Messer. So Can did their Can thing, recorded a bunch of jams and sent it in. The director hated it, complaining that it wasn't commercial, that it was just noise. Do you see a trend here? The producers loved it, however, and so they left it in. Now the program had a large viewership but got slaughtered by the critics. One thing everybody seemed to agree on was that the music was the shit. So Can quickly released an excerpt as a single, Spoon, which shot up the charts. Suddenly, Can was rich and famous. Music magazines in Germany went crazy for them. Tago Mago was even voted the second best album of the year in one magazine. The other big change around this time was that they moved out of Schloss Norvenich. They moved on up to the only place you can go from a castle to an abandoned cinema in a small town with a long history of pagan worship, as one does. They bought 1,500 used mattresses and hung them on the wall, and hired Michael's girlfriend to paint all sorts of wild pictures on them. Michael liked to think that there was some sort of erotic spiritual energy that enveloped the mattresses, and thus it added some special quality to their music. They dubbed the studio Inner Space, after the band's original name. The town was a bit wary of these long-haired weirdos who created strange sounds in the middle of the night, but after the success of Spoon, suddenly, they started being nice to the band, as one does. The band did their best to capitalize on the success of the Spoon single. They released Vitamin C with I'm So Green as a follow-up single. They found success on their international tour, but found themselves fighting over music in the studio, which is apparently nothing unique for them. Instead of working, Ermin and Damo became obsessed with Chess. When the deadline for the album approached, they'd only finished three tracks. The dirty-ass funk jam, Pinch, which seemed reminiscent of Miles Davis's work at the time. The other two, One More Night and Sing Swan Song, introduced something different, a more laid-back side to the band. To help buff the playtime, they added the singles from the album but even with Spoon Vitamin C and I'm So Green, they were still a bit short of the full runtime. In a strange mix of chutzpah and insanity, they grabbed their instruments, hit record, and decided that whatever happened in the next ten minutes would go on the album, and thus Soup was born. It starts normal, at least by can standards, then around the halfway point, The band seems unable to hold up the veneer, and just loses it in an explosion of avant-garde noise. This is a prime example of what the band labeled as their Godzilla moments. For an album with such a fractured genesis, it's oddly cohesive and stands as one of their most revered and easily their most iconic. The cover features a can of Aegean okra from Turkey, and if you're wondering, that is what Ege Bamyasi means. The album is a nice balance of accessible and experimental, and they totally bring the funk. Stephen Malcolmis of Pavement once said that he played this album every night before going to bed for multiple years. Oh, what dreams he must have had. In 1973, Cannes was tired. Within a year, they'd had a hit, done their first international tour, and put on a huge free concert in Kern and had gotten wrapped up in a tough legal battle with their former manager. The activity was so much Michael collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. He'd suffered a stress-related stomach ulcer and was forced to recover. The second he was back, the band went on tour again, but it was clear they needed a vacation. And with their rising profile, they could finally afford it. The band reconvened in the summer of 73, re-energized and happy. And these raised spirits really shined through on the album they began future days. The band calls this their summer record. It's comprised of four tracks and seems to fully explore this more chilled out side of the band. The one hinted at by Ega Bamyasi's Sing Swan Song and One More Night. Something about this album always felt like the sea. It's pulsing, relaxing, but occasionally violent. As the album plays you can almost smell the salt in the air. This whole feel is reinforced by the start of the album, with its strange water and wind-like sounds. Much of the ambience of this was produced from recording Damo sitting on a beanbag chair. It opens into an almost strange take on Bossa Nova, but I don't know why I'd even try to give it a label. But you can already hear from this title track that Canna's becoming ever more electronic. And never have they sounded so much like a unit. Can weaves through complex rhythms and changes in tempo seamlessly, and Dammo floats above most of this like some ethereal being, much of this due to his vocals being recorded underwater. This album oozes confidence. The experimentation doesn't feel like playing around, but a focused attack. They even managed to lay down some impressive pop with the chugging motoric of Moonshake. The band has said it was inspired by the sounds of motorboats on the Rhine. The most significant track here is Bel Air, the 20 minute epic that comprises the whole of the second side. It opens with a lazy tranquility, almost feeling like a sunny day by the sea. Michael has even said that this first segment was his attempt to capture the Portuguese coastline in song. It travels in and out of the main theme, sometimes funky, sometimes spacey, sometimes just sounding like bird calls, all building to a glorious climax. For many, This is the best album they'd ever cut, and even if it may not be your favorite, there's no denying that this is Can at the height of their powers as a band. It seems like nothing would be able to stop them. But all good things come to an end.